0: Are you ready for God's Word? All right, third service, I'm going to ask you to really get encouraged because we've got a lot of ground to cover. I need you to listen quick, uh, be attentive, lean forward, you know, all those good things because today we conclude uh, our sermon series, The Church. And uh, I need to conclude it because even if I continue on this track we're on and and uh, continue covering some prophetic things. I don't want to take this sermon any further down uh, th- than I've already taken it because uh, people are going to start thinking, "Well, Pastor, what does that have to do with the church?" But I want to remind you what it has to do with the church. We talked about the Tower of Babel last week. Now, the Tower of Babel was um, man going, uh, getting in God's face and saying we don't need you, God. We don't need you. We can be self-sufficient. We can go beyond you. And we don't need you watching over us. We're going to transcend you. We're going to go to the heavens ourselves. And so metaphorically speaking, I've said that, that that's happening today. Man is in God's face again, building a tower to the heavens saying, we don't need you. And today we're going to talk about that. And what it has to do with the church is that The church was God's direct response to the enemy when the enemy took control of the human heart and had us build in God's face. God said, no, 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 no. Watch. I'm going to take a humble man who walks in humble, faithful humility to me, Abraham, because right after the Tower of Babel, you have the story of Abraham or the genealogy of Abraham, and then goes into great detail about who Abraham was. Abraham would lead to the Messiah. The Messiah would be uh, crucified for our sins. And in humility, we receive the Messiah. You cannot receive the Messiah in God's face saying, I don't need you. The only way you can receive salvation is to humble yourself and to say, Lord, I need a Savior. And it's in that moment, 50 days after the crucifixion, that the Holy Spirit comes down and gives birth to the church. Gives birth to the church. Now, I want you to consider something. Man is saying, we don't need you at the Tower of Babel. God comes down and confuses their language. They're all scattered. The church says, God, we absolutely need you. We humble ourselves before you. God comes down and fills us. Not only does he fill us, he gives us a united language. Brings people together from every nation And now they're confused, not because they don't understand each other. They're confused because God has undone the confusion and brought them together in perfect clarity by the miracle of the Holy Spirit. They're confused. How in the world can we be hearing each other, all understanding each other in one perfect harmony because of the miracle of God? Amen. And God says, no longer are you going to build something worthless that's destined to crumble and fall. Instead, you're going to build a mighty kingdom, his kingdom. And we're called to build his kingdom. That's why we say when we pray, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, help us to bring you glory and to build a kingdom for you, Lord, by the prompting of your Holy Spirit. So today I want to talk to you about the return of the Tower of Babel. You say, Pastor, is it being built? Is that what you're talking about? It's it's, metaphorically speaking so. I want you to consider the attitude of Babel and the same attitude is existing today and we are trying to go beyond the need for God. Trying to reach to the heavens in our own strength. So the Bible does talk about Babylon being restored. There was, there's, there's three phases to Babylon. The first phase happened at the Tower of Babel. The second phase took place during King Nebuchadnezzar's time. The third phase is being unfolded right now as I speak. Right now as I speak. And so I want to just highlight the Bible verses about the Tower of Babel. Now, the whole earth had one language. They came together in a certain plain of Shinar. This is where they started to build a city and a tower. And this is what they said to themselves. Come, let us make bricks. Now, last week I shared with you that bricks indicated a form of slavery. And it was because even the children of Israel, when they were taken uh, slaves in Egypt, you have that remnant system of the Egyptians building things and them having to build in the face of God, saying, God, we don't need you. And they were slaves to brick building. We said that God would set them free and we would be living stones built to represent his temple. But I want you to consider something. The bricks don't only mean slavery. They also mean technology. This is the first time humans had found this 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 brick thing. You go, oh, that's so simple. But it made it so much easier. And, and one pastor said, I heard him say, we still like bricks. Anyone still think Legos are like the best thing ever? Yeah, we can build anything with those Legos, you know? And, and so they were building, but, 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 but I want to go a little deeper with you. I believe the brick represents technology, and you're going to see how we're up to no good in the face of God with our technology. So say, they said, Come, let us build, verse 4, ourselves a city and a tower with its tops to the heavens. Before God deals with us and disperses us. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man built. And he said, Behold, these people were together united And this is just the beginning of the rebellion. If I don't do something about it, nothing will be impossible for them. So the Lord comes down. He confuses their language, verse 7, that they couldn't understand each other's speech, and from there they're dispersed. Now, I want you to consider something. He sees this rebellion. He comes down. Can I tell you As this tower is being rebuilt, as this city and this demonic system is being rebuilt in the face of God saying, we don't need you, God will come down again. He will come down again, and that's called the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's going to come down, and he's going to say, enough with this. You say, ah, pastor, I'm not quite sure if they're really rebuilding. I showed you this last week. I'm just catching everybody up. This is the parliament building there in Strasbourg, France. They openly said their inspiration was the Tower of Babel, specifically the painting by Bruegel of, uh, of the Renaissance period. This is how they advertised it. This is their poster. So the poster is, again, the Tower of Babel, Europe, many tongues, one voice, inverted stars, elongated top points uh, for the demonic symbol of the goat. But God says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. I want you to consider that. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I want you to see this platform here. You have the world's way, saying no, put your confidence in you. Put your confidence in the system. Put your confidence in our advancement. Put your confidence in what we can provide. God says no. In humility, put your confidence in me. That's what a Christian represents. A Christian represents someone that says, Lord, I don't need the world. I claim your name. I live for the glory of your name. And your name will save me. Not the worldly system. This is important, guys, because this is what this whole tower of Babel that's coming back is all about. And this is why I keep harping on this verse. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. He who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, puts his faith in the name of the Lord. What is the name of the Lord? The, Lord, the name of the Lord represents him, his character, who he is. And he will be your strong tower that will not crumble, that will s- save your soul. That's what we're talking about here. So you say, okay, pastor, where are we going today? We're going somewhere really interesting. And I'm going to ask you to, to bear with me and to stay with me. I'm not an intellectual. I'm not super sophisticated on these issues. But I think it's super important to share it with you. And I don't ever want it to be said, pastor, why didn't you tell the truth? Why didn't you tell me? Why did you take the easy road and just tell me what I wanted to hear? Instead of what I needed to hear. And so I'm going to ask you to stay with me on this because we're going to cover artificial intelligence. Oh, well, there's a buzzword you throw out there. Yeah, it's being talked about everywhere. But maybe, maybe you haven't considered it as deeply as, as I might share today with you. Transhumanism. Now, under transhumanism, I'm going to, I'm going to submit to you that there's witchcraft this idea of enlightenment and the new age that's being used to get you to accept transhumanism. Because if there's two systems, and one is the way of the cross and the name of Jesus, and the other is the way of the world, the way they pull your heart from Christ is through witchcraft, enlightenment, enticement to be enlightened, and new age. Because ultimately, this is one big lie that will lead to destruction. I want you to remember what the Bible says. There is a way that seems right to man, meaning when you look at it at face value, man, that looks great, but in the end, it leads to destruction. So I'm going to ask you to use your Bible to be your guide. Not even my words, your Bible to be your guide, and ultimately, I believe we're headed towards genetic manipulation, and I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, I believe genetic manipulation is the mark of the beast. Because there's always been something sacred in God's word about the blood. We used to sing about the blood of Jesus who was human. He wasn't a hybrid. He was human. That is what the creeds have always professed. Fully human yet Fully divine. His blood washed our sins away. He didn't come to die for your cat. He didn't come to die for the horse down the street. He didn't come to die for the animals of this world. He came to die for you and me, humans. <laughs> humans. I want to remind you of what happened with the Nephilim. Last week we talked about those hybrids. What did God do? He wiped them off the face of the earth. Every time He called His children to go and wipe a people off the face of the earth, He says, I want none of them. Women, children, everyone needs to go. The Bible indicates they were giants. They were Nephilim because there were some before and also after. And God always dealt with it. So I want you to, I want you to pay really close attention. You ready to jump in? Because what we're talking about is is this idea and attitude of let us create a new humanity apart from God, in the face of God, defying God, saying, we don't need you, God. That's ultimately what this is all about. Transhumanism, genetic manipulation is man's attempt to form a new humanity apart from God by the means of technology. So you might say, okay, well, what is AI? Well, but to understand AI, you need to understand a couple of words and I mis-said this word in, in, in one of the services and had a little girl uh, tell me how to say it right because we didn't grow up thinking about this stuff, not much. But the word is sentient, is that right? Sentient or sentience, sentience, the, uh, the uh, act of being sentient, sentience is the capacity... I'm going to put my glasses on or I am going to butcher it all right here. You ready? Oh, my goodness. That's what you got to worry about when you wear glasses now, huh? Sentience is the capacity of... uh, a capacity to feel or register experiences and feelings. AI becomes sentient. Am I right? When an artificial agent achieves the empirical the empirical intelligence to think, feel, and perceive the physical world around it, just as humans do. So this ability to feel, think, and to make, uh, to have perception. Okay. Now, in 2022, Google employee Blake Lemoyne hit international headlines when he declared that the Google chatbot that he was working on and created had gained sentience. Do you hear what it, that it could think, it could feel, and perceive? That's a big deal. It's a big deal. In other words, able to experience feelings. So you're telling me this isn't just a program, it's feeling? Wow. You know, it's interesting because one other Google employee, uh, I, read, I, I heard his entire interview, he was the head of, of Google X, which which was responsible for a good portion of Google's AI. And not only that, but the robotics. He said in his interview, we, meaning humanity and Google and the rest of of those in the high-tech world, we exploitive up. We effed up. Why would he say that? He said we should never put him online. We should never have been doing this. We, We have to stop immediately. And you know what I find interesting? is that they say, we need to stop immediately. And when I mean they, there is a group of individuals that that have all signed a letter asking those in charge to stop immediately for six months, have a moratorium, have a stopping point, have a break to where we can figure out how we should deal with this new technology because this potentially is the greatest existential threat in the history of mankind. Existential meaning it can threaten our very existence. Pastor, are you telling me that we might become extinct? No. Read your Bible. The Bible says we will be here when God returns. Humans will be here when God returns. When people that are all about uh, about uh, climate, uh, climate and and uh, what is it, global warming, say, "Oh, we're going to destroy the Earth." No, God destroys the Earth. <laughs> we we already know certain things in God's Word, so. But, but I will tell you some things that, that are of concern to me based on God's word. Are you ready? Now, one of the things with this AI is that not only is, are they fearing this sentient moment, but also the singularity moment. You go, what is that? Technologically, technological singularity, or simply put, the point of singularity is a hypothetical future point in time at which technological growth Becomes uncontrollable and irreversible, resulting in unforeseen changes to human civilization. In the physical, uh, in physics, it says that point at which a function takes an infinite value, I'm gonna drop down to the end, infinite density, right, or dense, as the center of a black hole, meaning we're opening up a black hole with this idea of AI because they're said this is basically our Oppenheimer moment. When someone says this is an Oppenheimer moment, what does that mean? Oppenheimer was the what? The creation of the atomic bomb. That's what they mean. This is the moment where we cross over and we never go back. Can I tell you it's greater than the Oppenheimer moment because the, the, the atomic bomb didn't upgrade itself to a hydrogen bomb. The atomic bomb doesn't have feelings to say an ability to think beyond our ability to say, I think I'm going to use it the way I want. Th- this is different. And so you say, well, so what are you telling me, Pastor? What I'm telling you is exactly what they're saying. This, I've been reading articles. I've been listening to a ton of interviews of some very, very bright people. And they keep saying, look, there is a good scenario and there's a bad scenario. We need to ensure the good. But we have to realize we are wrestling, fighting, trying to go against Moloch. They use the word Moloch. Who did I te- what did I tell you last week? Last week I told you that the enemy is represented, Satan is represented in Nimrod, all the way down through history, including Moloch, who's right there. And so they're trying to what? Keep the train of AI on the rails and keep Moloch at bay. Can I tell you, if you're not in Christ, you're under Moloch's rule, period. So what do they mean by Moloch? How do we keep this from becoming evil? Well, let me, put you, let me give you something else because I don't believe that we'll go extinct, but what I will tell you this is it's going to make it very, very hard to, to come out of that worldly system. And I believe it lines up with God's word. Keep this, keep what I'm saying to you now because I'll revisit it later at the end of the message. And that is that um, many are saying that if AI gets out of control, which it'll be out of control very, very soon. Like I'll give you a, for instance, OpenAI is the company that, that, that is also working on this. Facebook's working on it or now they're called Meta. Um, Google's working on it, uh, Microsoft, IBM, they're all working on it, right? And so this is what's taking place, and they're talking about Mulloch. They've got to overcome Mullock because when the letter went out to everybody to stop, the employees of Google that signed the letter went to their CEO and said, we need to stop, we need to be part of the stopping point. Their CEO, I've got the article in my notes, says, I cannot stop because... My competitors may not stop. Yeah, that's human greed. <laughs> that's human distrust. Yeah, that is look, That's gonna the enemy's using our own uh, uh, vices against us. And so we have to keep going. But 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 watch this. The fear is that the first Chat GPT had a very low IQ. It wasn't it didn't do very much. But then when it upgraded, it got smarter. Then it upgraded again. And it only takes like a few months. ChatGPT5 is about to come out. It's already in prototype. And ChatGPT4 is at uh, about 160 IQ, 155 to 165, somewhere in there. So I just said 160. I think Einstein was like in the high 160s, right? Somewhere in there. And then you have the smartest guy to ever take an IQ test, I guess um, I read, was like 210. ChatGPT 5 is projected to break the 1,000 mark in terms of IQ. Can you imagine 6 and 7 and 8 and whatever version they goes to next? And it's just upgraded, 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 learning how to learn, learning how to learn, learning how to learn. And then um, when, when we get to that point, this is what we have to be careful of. It will displace most workers. All Uber drivers, gone. Taxi drivers, gone, uh, uh, food eats or whatever the little people bring you food, the, 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 um, the DoorDash folks, all of that gone because the robot can do it themselves and they can, they can take care of it. Now, now, watch. You say, but I'm a creative. I would never be replaced because um, a computer could not do what I do. I write songs, I write poetry, I do this, I do that, I'm a creative. Uh, If you think that, take a look at this. It's coming for you too. It's a concert that took place most of the year in London in 21, or was it 22? I, I can't remember. It's ABBA, the group that's long been gone, but yeah, what? they're perfectly digitally remastered by AI technology, crystal clear. I want you to think about something. They never get tired. They're on point every single night. They can vary their performance every night. I thought it was interesting they put her in the Rising Phoenix outfit. That's not demonic. You know, think about it. No drugs, no alcohol, nothing. The the audience gets a perfect performance. Bring the energy when they need to bring the energy. Bring you close when they need to bring you close. Touch your heart when they need to touch your heart. Perfect. Why? Because AI knows how to hack humans. It has the intelligence to move you. That's where society really gets in trouble because do you realize that a free society will not be free? And those, that we're the ones that have the most to lose, a free society when AI gets to that point, which it could be there within the next year. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about the herd mentality. I'm talking about swaying votes. I'm talking about getting us to believe things that we don't even know. And so the, the, it, in this new world... The most effective model is really really an autocratic model. What do we mean by that? A dictatorial model, a a dictator model. Why, because think about this with me. What is needed for a free society if not open dialogue and debate? I I may not agree with you, but I will fight to the death for your right to say what you say. Isn't that the American way? I may not agree with you, But notice what's happened in the last few years. Oh, I don't agree with you, so I want to shut you up. I want to pound your face in. I want to this, I want to that. Please don't take that out of context because that's not my heart. My heart is to defend free speech. I may not believe what you believe, but it's still, if God respects it, I'll definitely respect it. But what's happened? Why? Because we're already seeing just the beginning of what happens with propaganda. How do we learn, if not online? Our Twitter feeds, our Instagram feeds, everything is given to us based on algorithms. What happens when a superior intelligence force is leading you every step of the way to sway society one way or another? Is that a free society? Let me ask you this. If you don't think that could happen, are you certain of what happened in the last election? I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. Can you look at the last election and go like, what was that? That was a big mess, wasn't it? I don't care who you are, that was a mess. Imagine when there's AI propagandizing entire societies. Some have said we need to make laws now that whenever you're dealing with an artificial intelligence, it needs to disclose to you this is not a real human. Because you could be having a dialogue with some online or hearing things online, and you're thinking you're dealing with humans, and you're dealing with deep fakes. You're dealing with all sorts of stuff designed to change your mind, change your heart, to get you to perceive things differently. This is serious. It's not an Oppenheimer moment. It's so far greater than that. This is what I believe is going on. In the garden, when the enemy came to Eve, the serpent, The serpent said to her, you will not surely die. Now watch what he says. For God knows in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened. What is the serpent saying to Eve? God is lying to you. Beware. This whole movement of the new tower is about God is holding back from you. There's more knowledge. There's more enlightenment. There's a craft you need to know about. There's all sorts of magic that you've been held from you. You need to step in and understand why. Because they're trying to move you to a point where you can no longer escape. You go, oh man, are you sure? Stay with me on it. You will be like God. For God knows in the day your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I've already told you about Mullock, but now I'm gonna share with you kind of how AI is really, really aimed towards transhumanism. And ultimately, transhumanism is aimed towards genetic manipulation. Now, watch. I want you to know right off the bat I am not anti technology. I want you to consider I've got like, (laughs) I'm not anti technology. I went and took whatever medicine was available to me so that my body could be healed when I was really sick. I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti-technology. What I am is anti the attitude that we don't need you, God, because that's the attitude that's going to lead us to destruction. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. Have we gotten there yet? No, we haven't gotten there yet, but I need us to pay attention. Why do I need us to pay attention? Because someone said, oh, pastor, has the mark of the beast come? Maybe I took it, maybe I died. Relax. Mark of the beast has not gotten here yet. Why? Because there's certain things that have to take place. One of the major things is the two witnesses have to come. Two witnesses haven't come yet. We're fine. But this is why I'm preaching so loudly, because watch. Human perception is so narrow in its scope. You with me? Why is it so narrow? When things are too small, we cannot perceive them. Can you perceive the microscopic world around you? No, it's too small. Then it gets in the sweet spot, we can perceive it. If it gets too big, we can't perceive it. We, have, we don't have the faculties to understand astronomic numbers and, and things in the universe, right? So you said, what does that have to do with this? Before, things were advancing so slow we couldn't perceive them. They're in the sweet spot right now. Things are happening at a pace where you can go, whoa, that makes me feel uncomfortable. What's taking place? And if you have your head in the sand now, they're going to get so fast and things are going to explode away from you, you will hit, you'll be spinning and not understand it anymore. You'll be propagandized, not understand it anymore. You'll, it'll be past that point. Does that make sense? So now's the sweet spot. Watch. It's going really, really fast. I think this is really cool. This is a pretty cool invention. Elon Musk has just received, through his company Neuralink, FDA
1: approval for inhuman clinic studies. Now, what is Neuralink? Take a look at the video and watch. The real game changer at Neuralink is the design of their electrode wires. Instead of the rigid metal spikes that have been used in the past, Neuralink wires are thinner than a human hair and flexible like thread. Right now, the N1 device is attached with 64 individual wires, each one carrying 16 electrodes for a total of 1024 channels of communication between the implant device and the brain. This is an extremely high bandwidth direct connection to the brain which is what will be required to restore those more complex physical movements to people suffering from full-body paralysis. On April 11th, Neuralink shared this image on Twitter that shows the tip of their wires. It's hard to comprehend what we're looking at here because this photo was only made possible through an electron microscope At the tip is a little hole that allows the surgical needle to thread the wire, and this tip is so small that it's just about the width of a few red blood cells across. Above that, sticking out from the right side, are the individual electrode contacts that will detect neuron activity. Again, each electrode here is the width of about two blood cells. This is unfathomably small, and that's where the R1 sewing machine robot comes in. It needs to stick that tiny thread right into the brain matter. It doesn't need to go very deep, it's only going in a millimeter or so, but this needs to be done very quickly and very accurately. The electrode needs to get as close to the target neuron as possible, but it also needs to avoid hitting any of the blood vessels that run through the cortex. There are a lot of them, and it also needs to do this on a moving target. Don't forget that your brain is constantly pulsating with the rhythm of your heartbeat. So the R1 actually has a very advanced targeting system that allows it to place the thread precisely and safely. Currently, the R1 is using a combination of a camera video feed and an optical laser to position the needle. So far, Neuralink has constructed a double operating room at their Austin, Texas headquarters, and that's possibly where the first human trial of both the N1 Link and R1 Robot will occur. But the company's goal for the not-so-distant future, has been to build their own medical clinic where they can treat multiple patients. So that may or may not already be in development.
0: Wow. That's incredible, isn't it?
1: It's absolutely
0: incredible. So he's on record. Uh, you can go look it up. You can, you can hear many interviews. Elon does a bunch of interviews, and I think he's a brilliant, brilliant man. Um, one of the things he says is that you know, we can start downloading memories from the cloud now. We're going to be at that point. That's his goal. His goal is to, you know how you upload pictures to the cloud, and then when you want to see the pictures, you pull them down? Well, when you want to get memories, you can just pull them down. What if you get somebody else's memory? What if they do it intentionally? I'm just saying. But look, let's define some things of transhumanism. Transhumanism Refers to an optimistic belief in the enhancement of the human condition through technology in all its forms. Its advocates believe in fundamentally enhancing the human condition or the human species, right, through applied reason in a corporal embrace of new technologies. Let's keep going. It is rooted in the belief that humans can and will be enhanced by genetic engineering and information technology of today, as well as anticipated advancements such as bioengineering, artificial intelligence, and molecular nanotechnology. Oh, okay, I get it now. See, we need the artificial intelligence so that we can scale up to the next point to upgrade ourselves, so that ultimately we can stand in God's face and say, we don't need you, God. We're building our own tower to the heavens. We're providing our own eternal life experience. This is where it's headed. You go, oh, past. let he who has eyes, let him see now before it's too fast and too far ahead. And you're like, eh. This is where we're at. So this is why the Bible says, let no one deceive you by any means For the day will not come. God is going to come back down and put an end to all of this. But that day won't come until you see a falling away. And I believe you're seeing the falling away right now. You see a lot of people that used to be uh, up. used to appear to be sincere Christians that are now doing crazy stuff, leaving their faith. Christian authors that have turned their back on their faith. People that have sang worship songs and, and, and impacted millions have left their faith. And that's just, that's just a, a microcosm of what's happening throughout the church. Why? Because those that aren't really a part of the church are going to fall away. And you see it happening through witchcraft, this enlightenment, this, this new age philosophy. It's anti scriptural, and so people are buying into it. And if you buy into it, you might be one of those that's not truly locked in on your faith. Now, you, are you trying to, to, to fearmonger? No, I'm not trying to fearmonger. I'm trying to do um, what that, uh, uh, well, let's just consider what that great theologian Ice Cube once said. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course, not a great theologian. But he did say, check yourself before you. Do you realize the New Testament says the same thing? Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Yeah. If you're following after worldly things, maybe you're not in the faith. Remember, the world is under the control of the evil one is what 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, 20 says. That's why 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 says, do not love the world, because this is not your home. Do not love the world, or the things of the world. The love of the world is not the love of the Father. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, those are the things of the world, it's passing away, but only that that comes from the Father will last forever. This is important, why is it important? Because at the end of the day, Christian, the Christianity message is this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What am I saying here? At the end of the day, Christianity is about denying yourself. Now, I want you to see something here. Transhumanism is a big jump. Most people would never accept it, so you've got to take it in steps. If you want to move people, if you want to move someone, you've got to show them the steps and move them incrementally. I truly believe that is what's taking place with this transgender agenda. Are you kidding me? Gender's fluid? No, it's not. That's been like a fundamental truth through the ages. You're either a man or you're a woman, and God created you, but, but you don't understand. You don't understand. I feel like I've dealt with this since I was a child. Guess what, I have too. It's called sin, it's called sin. I may not have your sin issue, but we all have a sin issue, amen? amen. We all have a sin issue. This is why the Bible says, put it back up there. If any man care to be my disciple, he must what? Die to, I don't care how you feel. Take your feelings and conform them to the word of God. Conform your feelings to the word of God. Lord, forgive me. Come on, who in here hasn't felt like sinning before? Am I the only human in the room? I felt like sinning before. We all, Because that's what it means to be human. To struggle with sin. You don't believe me? Watch. We'll read it straight out of God's word. But first I want you to see this video because I want you to really pay attention to what he says, where this leads.
2: Absolutely. I think following on from that as well, something that I think is deeply concerning about it, two two things actually. Uh, Number one is that it sets a very dangerous precedent because there are, there's not really a more, fundamental and self-evident and obvious truth as the fact that there are men and women, boys and girls, and that males and females are different and always have been in all across species. It's literally, it's literally how we all got here. Everyone birthed on this planet was birthed from a woman. And if you can convince millions or billions of people that that is not the case, then you can convince them of anything. Right? There, are, there are many, many things that would fall out from that. And another point of it, which is uh, you, you brought up the, the issue with kids, and you talked about this in your documentary, but a point that I haven't seen many people make, and maybe because it's, it's very uncomfortable, but to me it's a very obvious gateway to pedophilia. Because if people are advocating that a, a, an 8-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, whatever, can consent mm-hmm. to a gender transition and something that will permanently alter them, perhaps render them infertile for the rest of, your, rest of their life, you're saying that you can make that decision at 12, then you are also crushing the argument against children not being able to consent to sexual activity. You don't get, like, let kids get tattoos. You don't let them. Did you hear
0: what he said? He said, this has been self-evident. But if you can get billions of people in society to throw that away and to start buying into this fluidity nonsense, you can convince them of anything. You don't think we're being propagandized? How do they get that message across to us? Oh, you're a bigot. You're a this. You're a that. You're a fundamentalist. No, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. That's what I am. But, but, But did you hear what else he said? He said, ultimately, this leads to pedophilia because Moloch always wants your children. Moloch always wants your children. No, no, no. Wake up. Wake up. This is why the Bible says, beloved, 1 Peter 2, verse 11, beloved, I beg you. As sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly, lustful desires, which war against your soul. This is why the enemy wants to pervert our society so that he can keep shoving things down our throat we never would have swallowed before. It's right here. It's in God's word. I beg you, this is not your home, Peter says. Quit trying to build a sandcastle and insisting to live in it on the beach. You're just passing through. You're just here for a moment. Your home is in glory. Your king is coming back for you. Build his kingdom. Build his kingdom. Do you hear me? It's right there. Watch. watch. Let's keep going. Revelations 3 verse 10 says, because you have kept my commandments and what? command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial. To persevere in the second service, I made the point that to persevere comes closely from the word preserve. It's to preserve, to stand firm, to hold the ground. We're called to be light. We're called to be salt, to keep this society from decay. That's the church's job. So get used to people pushing back against you. Stand firm. Stand firm. Why is this important? Because this is what ultimately Satan wants to offer the world, eternal life outside of God, Tower of Babel in God's face. Watch this uh, clip from Nat Geo, Your Million, that took place about six, seven years ago.
2: Okay, in the deep future, your lifespan will be exponentially longer than it is now. But what does that really mean in your day-to-day existence? Let's take the best-case scenario. Everything you've always wanted to do. Learn a new language, play the piano, learn to paint. In the future, you'll have all the time in the world to do those things and more. That will change everything about how we approach our lives. It's unconscious, but
0: you think about the day you're going to die when you do anything going to college getting a job retirement all these things are predicated on one fact
2: the day you die we could have a really long lifespan a thousand years a hundred thousand years one hundred thousand years that's hard to even imagine once we achieve this radical life extension, what some futures refer to as a negligible senescence, where we've ceased to age, society as we know it will change quite dramatically. We will continue to evolve as individuals, you know, find new ways of interacting with the world, develop new skills, new relationships. Currently, our
3: relationships are based on the idea that we are supposed to stay together till death do us part. But if that is indefinitely, they might not last that long.
1: I mean, I'd like to think that, that there are marriages that could last five centuries and, and everyone would be happy. But, you know, a marriage that lasts five decades seems to strain the emotional resources of most people these days. People will have a much more do it
3: yourself approach to relationships, so, kind of building the kinds of relationships they want to have, building families that they want to have.
0: wow, we're getting closer. It's moving closer and closer and closer. They actually use in that series the words, we'll be able to offer humans eternal life. Why does God have us look towards our death so that we might call out to a Savior and say, Lord, I humble myself. I die to myself that you might live in me and through me and one day resurrect me from the grave and that I may live in eternity with you. I shared those things with you two weeks ago when I said when you come back for the millennial reign, you'll be able to learn all kinds of new hobbies. You'll be able to spend a thousand years doing it. Listen to what they're saying. What if you don't need God to do it? That's the ultimate Antichrist. What if you don't need God to do it? Now watch, I've got one more video and then we're done. Are you with me? Yeah. Can you handle one more? Now this is, this is Dr. Yuval Noah Harari. He is an advisor to the World Economic Forum and, and uh, kind of uh, a very influential person in shaping kind of the philosophy of the world to come. Uh, I want you to listen to some things. Now now I want to be fair. If you want, you can go listen to all of his, his speeches. I took this from someone who kind of cut it up uh, for time's sake, I use it. But I want you to know, I've listened to probably 20 hours of his speeches. The last speech he gave on AI, I actually found myself agreeing with him. Because now he's starting to f- pull back his, his insults towards Christians. And he's saying, oh, uh, the early Christians had it right. And we're headed down a scary place. And he's starting to change his tune. But this is before he changed his tune. So. This
3: will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed in the basic rules of the game of life. All of life for four billion years, dinosaurs, amoebas, tomatoes, humans, all of life was subject to the laws of natural selection and to the laws of organic biochemistry. But this is now about to change. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds The IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. And at the same time, science may enable life after being confined for four billion years to the limited realm of organic compounds, science may enable life to break out into the inorganic realm. So after four billion years, of organic life shaped by natural selection, we are entering the era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. So does the data about my DNA, my brain, my body, my life, does it belong to me, or to some corporation, or to the government, or perhaps to the human collective? Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the the whole idea that humans have, you know, this they they have this soul, (coughs) spirit, and they have free will, and nobody knows what's happening inside me, so whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. That's over. 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 Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. Yeah, I mean, everything is being digitalized, Everything is being monitored in this time of crisis you have to follow science it's often said that you should never allow a good crisis to go to waste because a crisis is an opportunity to also do re- good reforms that in normal times people will never agree to but in a crisis you see we have no chance so so so, so let's do it vaccine won't help us go the to vaccine the best, w- of will help <laughs> us of course it will make things you know m- more manageable surveillance people could look back in 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. This, I believe, is maybe the most important event of the 21st century.
4: One of the features of this fourth industrial revolution is that it doesn't change what we are doing, but it changes us. The difference of this fourth industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you if you take a genetic editing, right. uh, just as an example. It's you who so are changed, yeah, and of yeah. course, this has a big impact yeah. on your identity yeah. and offers certain kinds of possibilities that have to be careful about. You know, yeah. when you began to when you began to do that kind of gene editing, some people worried that you are changing what it means to be human. That's the problem, and yeah. uh, it, uh, of course, the new uh, industrial revolution offers us many opportunities, but. It raises many fold questions on the ethical, but even legal uh, implications. And we have to be prepared for it. And that's what we want to do in Davos next year. Talk about technology.
0: Let's just stop it right there. They go on to talk about hey, we've got a lot of challenges, but we're also going to be pushing the limits. Now, I want to share something with you very, 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 very important. This is not me being anti or pro vaccine. This is not about that. This is about what is coming. What is coming? What is coming is a tower that stands in rebellion to God saying, we don't need you, God. We can create our own eternal life. We can sustain life indefinitely through our technology, more of a fancier brick and we can get to heaven without you. This is why it's so important to right now be walking by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will guide you. Because someone said, well, Pastor, how should I respond? How you should respond is you you take your life and conform it to the Word of God. Lord, I want to live righteously because you call me to live righteously. Lord, I want your perspective on life because it's, it's righteous. That means every child is important to you. I don't vote for anyone who is about abortion. Why? Because you are anti the, the, the sacrifice. Of, you say, but, but pastor, you don't know, and, and, and you don't know my situation. There's always forgiveness, and God restores, and, and, and he is quick to forgive, but there has to be a turning to him. And there has to be a, that was the old me, this is the new me. I live by your word. And I ask openly every single day that your spirit would guide and lead me and prompt me and give me strength that I may not be pushed or pulled by what? By propaganda or by fear. By fear. Look. I truly believe we're headed towards the end time scenario of the mark of the beast, and it will be transhumanism, genetic manipulation. So there is no doubt that you're going to see the spirit of Antichrist already at work. Already at work. And I'm telling you, I can go to Revelations 9. You guys always get a little extra. Revelations 9. This is straight out of the Revelation, and this is after the trumpet judgments. So they're smack in the middle of it, and God is dealing with them. Watch what the Bible says. But the rest of mankind who were killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. Now, why didn't they repent of the work of their hands? Because they had put so much stock in the worldly system that their heart was completely hardened. They couldn't see anymore. They couldn't see the light. God is dealing with them. He spelled it out. And the plagues are coming upon the earth, and they still don't repent. Now watch what they were involved with. And you tell me if you don't see some of that happening today. Are you with me? Did not repent of the work of their hands, that they should not worship demons. All this witchcraft, all this new age nonsense is the worship of demons. Repent. The way you repent is you come and you burn it, and you make a big bonfire to the glory and honor of God, and you say, I want none of these demonic New Age books. I want none of this demonic practices. I want none of this sorcery. I want none of this uh, manifesting nonsense. I want the word of the living God. Period. <laughs> Period. Okay, watch. Keep going. Watch. You'll see this. They, they chose the idols, gold, silver, brass, stone, wood. They couldn't see, hear, walk. Uh, and they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual morality There it is. Witchcraft is part of moving society towards completely turning their back on God and then accepting something that will forever mark you. Forever mark you. Now, what could that be? What could be irreversible? Well, that's where we finish. We finish because the Bible's very clear. Jesus said, You want to know what the, my coming will be like? Look to the days of Noah, look to the days of Lot. Lot's days were marked by sexual um, perversion, the days of Noah were marked by violence and genetic manipulation. And you see that unfolding today. The good news is we win. We win. We win. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't be fearful, be faithful. Don't be fearful, be faithful. We know how it ends, but right now is the time. It's the moment of perception. It's in the sweet spot. We can see it happening. It's happening just fast enough, right? But the Bible says, if you want to go read it, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you don't receive the truth when it's presented to you, God will send a strong delusion. What if that spirit of delusion is the artificial intelligence that will begin to propagandize society to believe a different way kind of excited about that holographic technology maybe I won't have to preach to you guys third service i can preach first service and then have the little other you know the little whatever do it the hologram do it but, but what, if, what if there are no more real churches and they're just holographic, state-sponsored pastors spewing out what you want to hear? The delusion's coming, but it ain't here yet. For now, Lord, we still stand on your truth. We rely on your truth. And we declare that it is beautiful, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.